0: I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog.
1: Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I'm Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko.
0: That's right. Josh Motenko, also known as the anti-Mike Minkoff. (laughs) And Mike Minkoff on the podcast.
2: That's right. Uh... I just got a four-year extension on this podcast, uh, fittingly as a Marcus Smart of this podcast, with the news that just dropped before recording on Marcus Smart's extension.
1: We are recording Monday night. We're talking about Marcus Smart. We're going to talk about the Schroeder signing. We're going to talk about the summer league and hopes for the rest of the off season. Mike, what are the details on that contract with, for Marcus Smart?
2: Well, according to the venerable Adrian Wojnarowski road whatever Woj and uh, Shams uh it's a 4-year max extension 77.1 million no uh player option presumably no team option as well and there's a trade kicker we don't know the details but it keeps Marcus uh on the Celtics or at least under contract with the Celtics through 25-26 um keeps I think you know the Uh, It's a little bit cliche, but it still rings true. The heart and soul of the team uh, sticks around. We've all expressed how he's our favorite player on the team. He's by far the grittiest and toughest guy on the team. Um, It's exciting to get to see him this upcoming season with a new coach that's going to put the ball in his hands as the actual point guard, um, at least to start the year. And we'll see how that goes. Um, It also, Maybe. You know, it also puts the exclamation point on the Celtics are not going to have max cap space available next offseason. Uh so they will not be signing a max free agent like Bradley Beal outright. Uh, so if that was your hope and dream, they, it, it, unless... it is highly unless they, they could trade smart and take no salary back. Um I think that's unlikely. Yeah.
1: Anyway. I hope so. That trade kicker is typically like fifteen percent, right?
2: It can't be more than fifteen um, percent. It, but it doesn't have to be that much. So I, I, I don't know. It could be five million a year. I was just glancing at the uh, CBA FAQ site, and it, it, the the total amount of the trade kicker can't be more than fifteen percent of the remaining value of the contract. Um, but it doesn't have to meet that, and it could also be waived by the player or the team for any and, reason.
1: And um, yeah, we talked about this last time, and I said basically my assumption is that. The strategy appears to be they're going for that max cap space, so they're not going to sign Marcus Smart to a deal that they don't think that they can trade. He should have positive trade value, or at least even trade value, that at least at this point, assuming all goes well enough, and uh, status quo for Marcus Smart next year, that they will be able to trade him with that salary, including the trade kicker, and get off of his deal if Bradley Beal is an option for them to come here. Or maybe Marcus Smart is part of that trade. Uh, but you, I would assume that given uh, what uh, the strategy that the, the front office appears to be going with. Josh, what's your reaction to this signing?
0: When's the last time you heard of a guy signing for exactly $77 million? I think these are lucky numbers. I think this is the player <laughs> who, this is the one player who is not just the heart and soul of our team, but brings Celtic luck and like uh, clutch crunch time plays, like, winning plays. Like, those are lucky plays sometimes. This guy is the luckiest player on the team, I think, right now. Um, and so I think it's just a sign that the leprechaun, the Celtics leprechaun is still alive in all of us who really, truly have Celtic
2: pride. I just um, and... don't understand how you guys shared a womb. Like, Adam Thank comes you. in, zero sentiment. Like, just all cold hearted like <laughs> <laughs> calculation. He's like, Well this means there's equal or negative no negative trade value on market smart con- no like no expression of appreciation for everything smart brings. I was like, okay, Josh is gonna bring that. Nope, you come out the total other end of the spectrum. Uh, this is the luckiest contract <laughs> figure possible. It, it shows a, the it's, luck. Amazing. It's, alive. it's amazing. You guys Yeah we go zero
0: sentiment to zero cents. I, I have
1: yet to give my opinion. Go on, Josh.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm being tongue in cheek, but, but I, I mean, Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of this team. Uh, I'm like, would I rather have Marcus Smart or Bradley Beal? Like, that's I'm actually legitimately w- would be processing that if he was part of that trade um, to to sign a guy like that. Um, and obviously, Beal's the way better player, right? Um, so I think that Smart is is really important to this franchise, not just to the you know the the team and the and the youth and like, I just think for the franchise, he is the culture setter. He's the locker room guy. He's like the poor man's KG that we have. Like every team needs to have that fiery, like alpha dog type personality. And he's that guy. So I think that it's really important to retain him and to give him a contract that's more fair value. And and I, I, I think he's actually more valuable than this contract uh, is worth. And I think he kind of took a deal last time, too. He's... It's 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 a continuation of like the Danny Ainge style of like we're really gonna try to get our value f- for guys even if they're homegrown guys even if they're the heart and soul of the team we're still gonna like hard knuckle it at the at the boardroom table um, and but but I'm I'm a big fan of the signing
1: Josh the numbers are because that's the most they could extend him for I don't think there's any luck or uh, uh, you know Irish leprechaun pot of gold uh, meaning to this. Uh, it's not because Marcus Smart is lucky. Uh, with that said, it's, I, no, Adam, it's because the number seven is lucky. Okay, so Continue. then, then um, who was seventy-seven last year? Uh, French Favarani, what's his name? He would have played better, wouldn't he? Uh, uh, Vitor Favarani? No. You no
0: mean, yeah. Oh, you mean the French guy? Uh, po-
2: yeah. Poirier? Yeah, Poirier. Wasn't he seventy-seven? <laughs> Poirier. Uh, Vincent. Yeah, uh, he was. Yeah. So.
1: So I love Shades this, of Vladimir move. Radmanovich. If you listened last time, you know that I, I was disappointed in the front office. I wanted, I was disappointed in ownership for choosing what appeared to be a route where they did not pay the luxury tax, and they did not appear to be improving the team uh, incrementally uh, towards what would hopefully be a larger move, Bradley Beal or something like that, going forward. Uh, it's not a mutually exclusive decision that you either have cap space or you improve the team incrementally. I think a number of deals this offseason are going to look better three, four years from now. Uh, supposedly, there is another huge uh, TV deal coming in for the NBA, and hopefully they will smooth the cap this time around. I think that is in 2025. Uh, so I expect, after a couple of tough years financially for the NBA, that a lot of contracts signed this offseason will look good in a couple of years. I think this. I would include the Marcus Smart one in that. Um, I don't think that that the Fournier deal was as bad as a lot of other people thought. I, I would have liked the Celtics to re-sign him. I just like the fact that they are uh, tying up their books in in smart ways, pun intended, uh, so that they uh-huh. can continue to improve the team. I love the fact that they're investing in Marcus Smart as a guy who, who with a specific voice on the team in the locker room, there were some reports of Clashes that I think have been overblown for the most part, but Marcus is is someone who is vocal and assertive and fiery, and I think you need that on the uh, on this team. Uh, so I'm glad that the team has invested in that voice, and I'm excited to see what Ime Udoka does with that.
2: So uh, just, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said except the nonsense you talked about with uh, the this somehow indicating a change in tack by the ownership it, it literally nothing that has happened in the last week reflects a change in any strategy from the ownership from that what you were so upset about one week ago when we recorded they just happened to be able to get a discount deal on on dennis Schroder, who we're going to talk about momentarily yep. and this extension has absolutely no implication on this year's cap sheet and i would Bet money that the Celtics will end the year under the luxury tax, which is yeah. Very I, I would agree
1: with that, and I and I agree it does not impact the the my feelings about the front office uh, and their ability to spend. Now, since we're talking about it, I will say uh, that that after doing more thorough research than I had done last time before expressing those feelings, uh, the Celtics front uh, ownership group is one of the. Uh, they have some of the lighter pockets of ownership groups in the NBA. They are bottom fifth uh, in terms of uh, net worth for owners. Um, so the idea that we should expect them to spend because they have liquidity, cash on hand, I don't know if that's true. I would assume that they have a huge ability to borrow against the value, the equity uh, in the Celtics, given how much the, the team has improved. And, I think fans have a right to be upset if the ownership group in a, a large market like Boston is not willing to spend on competition. Now, it does change the cap sheet for next year, Mike. And as you said at the beginning, the Celtics are not going to have max cap space going into next season. And given uh, the, some of the differences that you and I have had, Mike, on, on the strategy or reaction to the Celtics strategy, I'm curious about how you feel about them tying up uh, that, that money going into next year.
2: Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think, I mean, they had like the only implication for next year from my perspective is it, it just means that they can't like do this long shot strategy of kind of trying to like leverage again, unless they trade smart and take no salary back. They can't try to leverage uh, Washington into basically sign a sign and trade of Beal at the max by, by, presenting as if they, the Celtics have max cap space, um, or it, may, it makes it a little bit more complicated to do that. But I, I think everything we've done this off season has uh, made it easier for us to navigate our, our cap situation uh, going beyond this season. Um, and then we got the serendipitous kind of, we were the serendipitous beneficiaries of kind of the musical chairs stopping and Dennis Schroeder uh, n- not nabbing a seat. And so he he basically just had to take our, our not so savory offer. Um, it is noteworthy that we made a point not to give him um, anything above the non taxpayer or sorry the tax wait, which one the the non taxpayer uh, mid level hmm. um, because that prevents us from being hard capped uh, and it also reduces the likelihood we'll end the season in the luxury tax. But by, by not being hard capped, it does mean that uh, should, the, should the right circumstances present, we could tr- trade for a big fish midseason.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about that Schroeder signing. We, were, we talked about it last time and, and basically gave our thoughts a, before it was actually final. Josh, you've got some feelings at this point.
0: Feelings about Dennis the Menace? Yeah. About, or as I like to call him, uh, the taming of the Schroeder. Wow, um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. you guys know? We're on, you guys we're know on fire.
2: Of, <laughs> we're on fire today, guys.
0: <laughs> do you guys know which of the vaccine he got when when it was his turn?
2: No, which one?
0: Zafiza. Oh
1: wow, because he's German. Okay.
0: Yeah, uh, twenty seven years old. He's coming to us. You know, he's basically 15 5 assists a game for his career, um, which is I think nothing to, to sniff at. Like. 80 83 percent from the free throw line he only shoots the three at you know like 34 percent so below league average um he's a little bit of a gunner right but he can run the offense a little bit I think he's going to be actually competing with Josh Richardson for the starting other guard spot spot behind uh, next to Marcus Smart I mean unless Peyton Pritchard continues to score 92 points a game, but. you know he's never really done what he's capable of doing defensively. He's kind of one of those guys who who likes the offensive side of the ball more than the defensive side. Um, I think that he he's not always a team player. Like the contract we signed him for was not just the contract. Like that's way lower than what he thought he was worth, uh, especially considered he turned down I think eighty four million extension uh, last year.
2: That's the rumor, but it's, yeah.
0: It's also. Um, you know, that, that he kind of went to one of the middle of the road options. Like when the musical chairs uh, were going on and the music stops, like the chairs that were taken were already taken by like the more from the more desired locations. So I think it's kind of unlikely that this guy Schroeder becomes like a Celtic for more than a few years. um, If, if even more than one year, but um, I think I like it. I mean, he is, he is one of the better offensive bench players in the league you know and and is you know kind of on the outside of the sixth man of the year conversation kind of perennially perennially now and we're getting him at the perfect age um in in a situation where we've needed bench scoring for a while um and either he or josh richardson is going to be able to provide that so i i'm, I'm warming up to this idea i think you know when anytime that you're a middle of the road team and you can get a a player you know out of free agency who should have gotten a better deal it's a steal
1: mike any new thoughts on dennis
2: well, yeah. I mean, I think I think on the the contract that we signed him to, it's a no brainer. Um, again, it didn't sacrifice any of our our flexibility. Uh, he he has performed. I think Josh, for all the reasons you highlighted, I I think he makes way more sense coming off the bench than as a starter um, and and giving giving us kind of an offensive change of pace and and a little bit more offensive viability uh, than we often have had historically. Um coming coming off the bench. Uh, so, but but it'll be interesting to kind of see how those roles shape out. Um, and I'm more bullish on his potential. you know, I, I think there's concern with a player that does have a me first reputation um that just missed out on seventy eight million dollars, uh, made made some bad decisions um or got bad advice or a combination of the two. Uh, there, there's, you know, on a one-year kind of prove-it contract, there's there's real risk of him kind of going off script uh, to the detriment of the team. I, I'm more bullish with Ime Udoka at the helm, even though we haven't seen Ime coach a game at the NBA level as a head coach, um, than I would be with Stevens. Because Stevens, I think, had a real difficulty kind of finding the right balance or basically just strong arming players and being like, look, this is your deal. <laughs> um, and you're going to fit in. I, I think there was, there were times when Steven struggled with that with certain, with certain players with a bit of the mentality that Schroeder seems to have, I th- I have more confidence Udoka is going to be able to basically be like, look, <laughs> you're either going to fit in or you're going to be on the bench. Cause we got enough guys here. We got Dunn, We got Pritchard, um, that you just won't play.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, Mike. I think Schroeder has to come off the bench. Um, I I have the same assumptions about Udoka versus Stevens. Uh, I think that you need that voice for Schroeder. This is Celtics fans. This is big thing for you to watch with Schroeder. Is how do the other teammates react to his play? Are they going to show frustration at all? Like Josh, you said that he, he, you think he can run the offense. Um, I I am questioning that. Uh, there's been rumors that other teammates haven't loved playing with him i think he looks for his own shot most of the time he does get five assists a game but compared to his usage rate it's not it's not actually that statistically relevant in terms of uh showing that he can he's a gonna pass the ball um his his outside shot is not very good so when he comes in the game you you need to have um you need to have him, the ball in his hands for him to be effective because he can be offensively. And for that reason, I think you've got to bring him off the bench. Um, the additional factor there is you've got to give him incentive. I mean, like maybe there's a chance if he actually buys in and he actually facilitates the offense and gets the ball to, to Brown and Tatum in the spots that they need, that you could start him, but you need him to have something to work for. Uh, and, uh, and I at this point, have no reason to not trust Udoka with that plan. Uh, so I'm curious about what you guys think that means. Uh, Mike, you and I agree Schroeder should come off the bench. Josh, do you agree with that? And, and Josh, uh, who would your starting lineup be at this point?
0: Oh, I, I'm, I, it's, just, it's more that I'm not that excited about either Josh Richardson or uh, Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup. And so I feel like that would if I'm the coach, that's the camp battle. I mean that's the one battle that's happening in camp is is who's starting next to Marcus Smart and and maybe you're throwing Neesmith Smith in there as like you know just because he plays so hard but like there's
2: I, I like the idea
0: of Marcus Smart starting at the point guard position next to three big wings like that's been the the motto and I I thought it was uh, I thought it was originally Danny Ainge's continuation of of like the Golden State Warriors lineup um obviously they had Kevin Durant instead of Tatum who was a little bit of a different player defensively but you know just having three guys next to your your point guard who have tons of length is is huge and 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 who can switch all over the floor so um obviously Josh Richardson is is the better defender um his shot selection is different and um He's not a gunner like Schroeder. It's just his selection, I think, is poor based on his own uh, overconfidence with his jumper. I think uh, he's he's definitely a no, 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 yes guy, um, and so I'm just not excited about that. So like, if I'm trying to get excited, if I'm forcing myself into it, I'm like, okay, we got two guards who can switch onto quicker guys and can be okay if they have to switch onto a big. You know, uh, Richardson is he'll fight through it. Although I don't love his post defense. I, I you know, just in watching his highlights um, and certain other videos, I, I've seen him like get stuck behind or to like go from a behind to a front, but on the outside of the whole of the, of the court. Uh, and then just, you know, easy dump down pass for a layup. Uh, I saw one video where that happened twice in a row. Um, so I, I'm just not that excited about <laughs> About our starting lineup, you know, but we have some bench scoring, so we didn't have that last year.
1: So, Josh, who is your starting lineup at this point?
0: I would probably have Josh Richardson in there. Um, Smart Richardson,
1: uh, Tatum Brown, and
0: and Robert Williams, um, yeah. and I'm bringing I'm bringing Horford off the bench. Uh, I think Horford's I'm... there because Robert Williams isn't isn't gonna play every game. He's gonna get all banged up, um, and he's just a reliable guy but I'm not starting him not not at this stage of his career I think that's too much of an expectation um, I think if you do start him you kind of let the fans know that he's going to do something for you and I'm, I want to keep the expectations with Horford as low as possible because I think that that's important at the stage of his career
1: I'm starting Horford for shooting uh, and I think that's important with Rich, Richardson on the court and smart uh, and then I'm bringing Rob and and uh, Schroeder off the bench uh, Mike who, who would you You're start bringing with? Robert Williams off the bench yeah,
2: I I, I am wow. too. I, I would have the same wow. starting lineup. It, it, cer- certainly to start the season. Um
0: are trying to yeah, save off I mean, his Like Danny Ainge.
2: Josh, you you and I just value Horford extremely differently. I I, I don't think he's going to be the same player he was when he was here before. But I think he's still a very good player. Um, and I think I think point. you're going to be I think you're going to be surprised. He's not a great shooter, but he's certainly a better three point shooter and and get will get more. Uh, three point and long to uh, kind of attention from defenses. Like he can still stretch as a, as a pick and pop big. Um, and that space is going to be important for the Jays. Uh, and, and I mean the one, the one weakness with smart as a primary ball handler, or one of the main weaknesses with him, in my opinion, is the fact that he's not particularly good at penetrating and drawing the attention of defense. Um so having more floor spacing will be valuable there. I think Schroeder and Williams could be a, a really lethal combination um yeah. for for defenses. Uh and then you can put Nismith and Pritchard next to them and have and uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of floor spacing. Maybe yeah, you can have Lankford in there, you can have I don't even I mean, we've got a million players are we we hopefully we can consolidate some players at, at this point.
1: Horford but, can facilitate too which I think you'll need. So,
2: I mean, Horford's three-point
0: percentage fluctuated so much over the last like four years, like up, down, up, down. He's like a 35%, 33, 34, 35.
2: He's not great. He's not great. His
0: best years were with the Celtics. And so we remember him as a really good shooter. His best career three-point shooting percentage Mm -hmm. year was with us. So I'm like, wait, does, maybe he'll shoot better with us again. I don't know. Like,
1: but he'll, he'll I, take I enough shots think... and he'll draw the defense and that's what's important there. Robert Williams isn't drawing the defender out to I
2: think I think Robert Williams if he stays healthy will be the starter by I don't know, a quarter to midway through the season. But I but I think I think you're going to want to just have the stability of having Horford. Um start as you as you kind of roll out the season maybe that's kind of crazy logic i don't know but it just makes more sense to me
0: i didn't even foresee that this would be as important to debate as it has become robert williams is so ready to have a breakout year this year the entire league is ready to like jump all over this guy with his athletic dunks and his block shots um and he's you know he's a guy whose focus has just been in his own way the entire time and he's maturing year by year he's picking it up and becoming more reliable. And like, that's a dangerous thing. I think um, the league embraces guys like Deandre Jordan, like Mitchell, you know, uh, once upon a time, Mitchell Robinson. Um, these guys are, 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 teams are guys that other teams covet, I think as the year progresses. And I, I just think that this, the turnover that we've had too has gotten, we've gotten more quickness, tried to get a little bit more athleticism uh, minus Horford, but I think that that's the direction we're trying to go is surround the Jays with some more athletes, guys who can who can bring some bounce to the game and and so that we can be one of the more athletic teams out there. Um, I think that that's one advantage we could have over the next couple of years.
2: If look, I'm not going to hate it. I'm not going to be upset. Over a particular, in fact, I might, it might be more fun, uh, if not a little bit more volatile, if Robert Williams is starting. So it's not, I'm not, uh, to me, I think, I think we have a higher chance of winning on a game to game basis with Horford as a starter. Uh, Again, especially in the early going, he's just, I think, a more reliably good, solid player, even at at this stage in his career. Um, But, Williams continues to have a higher upside, I, w- I would want to see him, again, stay healthy and be demonstrate better consistency. Um, on the flip side, you have to give that opportunity to see it. So I, I get that. I wouldn't be upset by it. I would agree with what Adam said earlier, that if, if you, you know, there is a shooting concern there, right? If you have Williams and Smart and Richardson all out there, uh, the spacing is going to be pretty pretty junky. So the, I'd probably start Neesmith with Williams. And then you just have a really young starting five, which, again, could be really fun. Uh, it'll be less consistent.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask whether Neesmith has had a good enough summer league that you'd consider starting him.
2: Only, yeah, I when, mean, you
0: have, uh, uh, only when you have two other options that aren't, your, aren't that great to you. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, the real conundrum is, uh, I mean, you know, we really have to redesign all of our future plans around uh, MVP Peyton Pritchard. So that, I mean, where, where does he slot in? Do do we just, do we trade smart right away so that Pritchard can get the starting point guard spot? Now, I mean, you know, he's really, he's really forced the issue.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I, the uh, Schroeder signing, it does put in, put into question what, um, sorry, what Pritchard's role is going to be this year. Uh, barring injury, is he getting on the court like he did last year as a catch and shoot guy? I mean, he's been working this summer and showing in summer league that he can be a distributor, and I I, I like him in that role. Uh, if Schroeder's coming off the bench like we talked about, you bring in, uh Pritchard off the bench too, and and I'm not sure what. What other role he has other than catch and shoot
0: well schroeder is going to be able to play off the ball a lot so what how uh get he's a schroeder is sometimes he, he can handle it he can facilitate but he's such a gunner and, and an offensive me first guy that that he's a little bit more of a shooting guard than a point guard and so i think next to peyton pritchard they can play together um i think i think if summer league has shown anything I think the audience needs to get ready for a little bit more of the Boston Raptors, where we play two short point guards at the same time in our backcourt, um, and yeah, I mean just just with the size of our guys, I mean Shooter's six two or so, uh, you know, Josh Richardson six four, six three, but six, skinny, five. Like no, his, his six, six five. No, Richardson six five.
1: He just looks smaller on the court for some reason.
0: Okay, so anybody miss the days of Avery Bradley having a six-three shooting guard who can really defend? Like, get ready for more of that. You know, no, we're, we're going to see some smaller backcourts.
2: I, I do. I actually, th- I mean, I think if anything, what we can take away, I don't know how. I mean, this connects to Schroeder, anyways. But from uh, Pritchard's summer league performance, and we're going to talk more about summer league in a second. I, I think it, it it's that much more. Uh, it puts that much more pressure and impetus on Schroeder to kind of stay in line, if anything, or should, Mm -hmm. because Pritchard is, I I think the one thing that, you know, everyone said about him, uh, Jay King at the athletic had an amazing article about Pritchard last season. um, Just chronicling how the dude just, you know, he just, he works, he works tirelessly and he succeeds at every level. Um, he is going to push and he's going to get the most out of himself possible at the NBA level. Um, You know, I I think his ceiling is only so high, uh, but he's going to be a solid rotation player and he will push and compete as hard as he can with Schroeder to get the primary backup point guard minute. So Schroeder is not on a contract where he can feel like that role is guaranteed. And there was a tweet. I can't remember it was Woj or Shams that basically said Schroeder's mindset is he he knows he's going to come and have to basically compete for minutes or kind of compete for his role. I I don't, the implication of the tweet wasn't that he was competing for like backup spot versus not in the rotation, but I, I, the Celtics are deep enough right now in in the backup space where um, it it hopefully will just help Schroeder kind of reduce some of that me first tendency and, and, get in line and like really apply himself on the defensive end and and things, things like that at the margins.
1: So quick thoughts on, on summer league players, Uh, anything else on Pritchard or Neesmith? Uh, I've loved the way that Neesmith is getting his own shot. Um, And I think both have looked fantastic in summer league. I'm very happy with, with them. And I think Pritchard left early, as we know, 92 points in that pro-am. I don't really care about that. I, I, Think Pritchard will be in, yeah. I think I mean all of this is small sample sample size and it's summer league, so <laughs> there's very little care is given for this. I think Pritchard will be considered the MVP uh, in consideration for the MVP of summer league. Um, I like what Niesmith has shown. They've both shown that they they're growing in their role in their potential
2: role. Um, Romeo, I I or, would have
1: liked to have seen a little more from him.
2: Sorry, could, could just on Pritchard and Niesmith? Yeah before going to romeo um so i I think the one thing that's important for both of them is that they are they're showing skills that are going to be transferable at the nba level neesmith hitting a lot of shots on movement um even being able to create his own own create and hit like step back threes and um uh, occasionally and then pritchard i mean he's shooting like 50 percent and he shoots from the logo like that's going to contort defenses even if that's the only thing he does if he's a 50% logo three point shooter that
1: matters (laughs) yeah
0: I agree Mike I think those are those points are spot on those are transferable skills for sure I'm I'm a little disappointed about you know Romeo Langford not not doing a little bit more or or just looking a little bit more composed. He still just seems like a complimentary guy even on the summer league team, um, and and I almost think that Juhon Bergeron is kind of right behind him too. We're we're working on our pronunciations here uh, at at Celtics Pride
2: Podcast. So um, that was right, right, Mike.
1: I think everybody's going to think that is a you're joking when you when. With that uh,
2: uh it sounded great to my very very untrained french ear yeah um Juhon should i do it again no i think once was enough for the listeners well, Adam, why don't you try pronouncing it
1: i, I can't get enough i've been saying juhan Begaron. i think it's
2: that, that's a that's a ang- anglifici- anglification of his name
1: <laughs> how, how what have you guys thought about romeo you disappointed you want to see more you're happy with the, what he's shown
2: he he's he looks okay. I mean he he just he doesn't look very strong. Period. Like he he's in solid position defensively. He makes some athletic plays on both ends of the court. He's had a couple nice dunks, but he's not uh, able to kind of impose his will on the game. It seems like both a combination of just his kind of physical strength, taking playing through contact and kind of the tightness of his handle. Um, you'd like, you'd like to see both a bit further along than they, than they appear to be. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really look like at the moment, at the start of the season, at least he's going to be a particularly impactful rotation player.
0: I think uh-huh. that he's, he, I've been rewinding his, every one of his three point shots and I've been watching his feet and his feet are still, still not landing in the footprints that he started his jump with, um, they're better than they've been, you know, so he's more on balance, but it's, and so I'm just like, is this, is this gonna be consistent? Like, I I don't, I still don't see that as being the big piece to me. Um, He's, he's gotta hit his threes and nismith has gotta produce more um, offensively in, in terms of his drives. Like those two guys offensively, that's the key for those guys. Whoever develops offensively first is gonna be the guy who takes the other's minutes, I think, and contract.
1: Other thoughts on the Celtic Summer League guys?
0: I mean, championship game is coming up tonight. This podcast drops on a Tuesday. We're playing Sacramento Kings Summer League team tonight for the championship. Who says that the Summer League championship isn't important?
1: Me. Uh, Yamadar is expected to play, I believe, in that game, Josh. You think uh, you expecting big things from him?
0: I am um, in the championship game. I mean, I just like to watch him play. I think... The more, the more we can get of him, the better. Uh, uh, maybe you guys have the answer to this question. I probably should know this. We still have that second two-way contract that's kind of hanging out there for one of these summer league guys, right? Potentially yeah. for Yamadar. Jan- yeah, Be-
2: I was going to bring this up. Jan or Johan Begarin is possible. Sam Hauser's oh, already those. locked yeah. in. Exactly.
1: I don't expect either Begarin or uh, Madar to get it. I both can make more money overseas.
2: Yeah. I yeah I don't, don't think, yeah, I don't I don't think I th- I think, think Yamadar would want to play. Yeah. I I think I I kind I kinda think it'll end up being Yam, but who knows? Um
0: I think I think it's gonna be Yamadar. I think and I think that if you're a kid growing up in Israel, even if you can make more money, you're you're up to date on American culture and I think the NBA dream is I, I would think something that means more to you than someone who grows up in in a a really top league like the israeli league is good but it's not you know the european top leagues in spain and and turkey so like if you grew up in one of those countries i could see you not caring as much about the nba because you could be such a star over there in your home country but for an israeli kid it's different i think Uh, that's just a guess just my opinion
1: i'm very happy for both of them to get some more seasoning overseas and and uh I like the potential for them to get roster spots in the in the future.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I think yeah, I kind of like be- Begarin. I would actually like because Begarin actually has Begarin uh, uh, NBA an NBA body. Um, I'd love for him to actually stay in the U.S. and have a chance to familiarize with the NBA game a bit more. Um, Yam, I would be more comfortable with spending time overseas because he just needs to get stronger. Uh, but he's got good feel for the game, so if I were going to, if I were going to like put my personal my my personal pick, it would be for Bergeron to to stick around as a two way. But I, I think it's probably unlikely.
0: He's Romeo Langford insurance. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Romeo Langford was our Evan Fournier insurance, who was our Gordon Hayward uh, safety. So we went from Gordon yeah. Hay- Hayward to Begaron in uh, two years. Celtics fans, yeah. how you Hayward feeling? Hayward
0: <laughs> to Fournier to Nismith. Right now, Smith is the insurance because he's ahead of, of Romeo at this stage. So Romeo is our Neesmith insurance, and Bergeron is our Romeo Langford insurance. The,
1: the, the two way could still two way could still go to Taco. I expected it to be some oh. random person.
0: So the Celtics just signed uh, another foreign kid to the summer league team, right?
1: Arnas Velika. I'm Arnas Velika. Josh, what's your scouting report? Go. I don't have one. I wanted <laughs> one from you. <laughs> nothing. I've got nothing. That, 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 there, there, there's a the
2: There's a place that's too deep on the on the draft board for you to get, Josh. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. That was such a rookie move to bring up the guy that nobody did the research on without checking first, too. So
1: you didn't get well. it. I don't remember. <laughs> Josh, didn't we get into him with the, uh, Adam Spinella? No,
0: that was a different player. I've never heard of this kid.
1: I didn't um, know half the people we were talking about, so it's all a jumbled mess in my memory.
0: Well, you guys can you know, – I'm going to hand-feed hand you, the spoon-feed you this one. All right? We we're playing in the championship game against the Sacramento Kings – they got Nemias Keta, this underdog big man, 22 years old, from Utah State, who I think is really good athletic. They got Davion Mitchell, obviously, their, their first-round pick. Uh, but they have Jamias Ramsey, my underdog second-round sleeper from last year. So you guys can watch him. He has not developed that much. Still only 20, but you guys can watch him and then make fun of me on the next pod if you want.
1: They also have people that like to punch other players on other teams.
2: What? Yes, that guy did. That guy did get suspended. But I will credit you, Josh. Um, did it because you you were high on Lou Dort well before Lou Dort broke out. Uh, you were very excited about the Thunder picking him, and if memory serves, which it very well might not, Jamias Ramsey is kind of of that mold. Yeah, is that is that uh, an accurate statement? Same. Uh,
0: yeah, not the same body. I just. I, I, I honestly, I, I mean, they're, they're pretty different. Lou Dort is, is kind of an imposing physical guy. Like at, at six, five, he, he's like a truck out there. Jemias Ramsey's more like a six, three, six, four kind of combo guard. Um, and I just, I just like his all around game. I think that he makes a lot of hustle plays and he's, he seems tough. Um, uh, but he hasn't really put it together at the NBA level yet. Whereas Lou Dort, I had an inside guy with Lou Dort, someone who, who worked with his college team, uh, who was telling me, you know, I was asking about him and he didn't think that he was going to be an amazing NBA player, but I was like so curious about him. I was like, well, what about, you know, what was his demeanor in the locker room? And what, you know, asking all the questions because I, I saw something in the door. Um,
2: yeah.
1: All right. What are your hopes for the rest of the off season? Mike, let's start with you.
2: Um, I guess there there's two. Uh, one, nobody gets injured. <laughs> it's really easy. Amen. Uh, and the second one is that, so we suddenly went from feeling like we had like six NBA players on our team last season. And then like a bunch of dregs at the back of our rotation to having like 11 or 12 guys that, uh, have, have either recently been in NBA rotations and, and, or, our, our young up-and-coming players like Neesmith and Pritchard that are making a very strong case to be part of a rotation. Um, I'd love for us to consolidate some of our very back of the rotation guys, uh, Dunn, Parker, Edwards, maybe Grant Williams, uh, in a two-for-one or three-for-one trade. Um, and maybe we even move someone that, that might be in the rotation conversation uh, so that we can get a better player but and get someone that's like a big four or like a big three, small four, someone, someone right. that could, or or maybe just a, a true four with athleticism, like someone l- like a Harrison Barnes. I'm not saying we can get Harrison Barnes. We can't, but like that, that type of player would be, that's like the missing ingredient on this team. I feel like.
0: Right. And we've um, talked in previous podcasts about Thad Young and uh, Kyle Anderson and, and those kind of poor men. Right. Types like that. Um, 16th I pick was, would have been on that.
2: No, but that guy wouldn't have been a prominent rotation. Like we weren't gonna have a rookie come in and be a prominent rotation player. Like not even, Jalen like, Johnson. No. Jalen Johnson's no. Jalen Johnson's gonna be back of the rotation for the Hawks. Like he's super enticing, but he's still not gonna be more than like a ninth, tenth, eleventh man on that team. I mean, that's a really deep roster. Um, but that like rookies don't come in and play prominent roles on on teams that are going to be like in the mix for, you know, mid playoff seed. Um, Even Shengun, who everyone's super excited about the guy that actually went 16. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't have that role. Um, But yeah, I mean, even like, and I don't know what you guys think of this guy, like Torian Prince, who's on Minnesota, but he has like a gettable contract. He's not great, but he's like in that physical
0: mold. I like Torian Prince. You know, he's he he's another guy like he could be better than he has been. Um, it's almost like he's no, I don't I don't know why he hasn't had a better career because I've liked him since the draft. I feel like he can produce when I watch him play. He passes the eye test, but he's kind of bounced around from team to team. I'm not sure if I'm not sure what's going on with that. But I like him. I would I would totally get him. It's it's amazing, Mike. I've got the same desires for my off for the rest of my off season. Uh, have fun, no injuries, and let's get another long perimeter player on the team and, and try to consolidate Carson Edwards and Jabari Parker. You know, Grant Williams. I, I feel like those
2: guys are expendable.
1: I would add Bruno Fernandez to that list, and I like agree completely. Fernando
2: in the summer league so hmm. far. I, oh, yeah. I feel like I'm the only one. Like I mentioned this on the Celtics blog Slack, and no one agreed with me, but that's okay. I still liked it. I don't know why. I, you know, he's physically imposing. He's he's uh yeah, he plays hard. Athletic. He tries hard. Like he's not wildly out of position all the time. Like he seems like a nice guy to have at the end of your bench.
1: Remember what I said about Bruno Fernando. I said I can't wait for the overreactions to him. He's How, got a chisel frame. Was that train. an
2: overreaction?
1: He's he's athletic. He he dunks on people. He dunks I hard. I didn't say
2: stardom. <laughs> I didn't say he's an all star. Yeah, just, the fact that, that he's a playable. He as a fourth big.
1: The fact that he he's a potential rotation player at all, I think, is an overreaction. I think he's an end of the bench guy. Uh, and I agree completely um, with what you guys said. So, uh, I, I don't expect uh, us to get a, like a seventh man out of uh, a consolidation move, though. So, and and I I, I want to give Grant Williams another like... shot. I want to give Grant Williams another shot. I'm not high on him. I I never I wasn't from the beginning. I didn't like the pick from the beginning. I think he's uh, his ceiling has always been low, but uh, he's got a, a a contract that's palatable and. I you know, certainly want to get off of Edwards. Who cares about Parker and uh and Fernando I'm I'm not into, but uh so I'd love to take those three guys and or or Parker I'm sorry, Fernan- uh, Fernando and uh Edwards and and turn them into one player equally as good as them. I'm happy with that move just to free up a yeah, roster and
2: spot. A key a key point I, I forgot to mention, so I don't know the exact date, but towards the end of September uh, or early October, right around the end of the the, the training camp is the date when the the 60-day window will have elapsed at, uh, following the, the formal announcement of um, the Bruno-Fernando-Chris Dunn trade or the trade that brought them yes. here. Um, so at that 60-day mark is when we'll be able to aggregate their salaries with other players um So I would be surprised, frankly, if if and the other key factor is that the Celtics can have up to 20 players on their roster. I think until the end of training camp. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we're I would I would guess we're not going to see any moves till close to the start of the season, if any at all.
1: And we will need to shed salary. Dunn should be included in that group of consolidation players. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm done. I said, I said, yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's end on that. Um,
0: hey. We gotta we gotta give a shout out to uh, at Chris C. Kerr. He was the one who responded first to our trivia question from last week. The last Bruno, before Bruno Fernandez, as Adam says, or Fernando, as I call him, uh, to play for the Celtics was Bruno Sundoff, The seven footer, um hopefully hopefully Bruno can fill those shoes. They're not they're probably like a size seventeen, but they weren't that actually actually that big to fill basketball-wise. So, at Chris C. Curry, you're the man. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. That's how we know that you're really a part of Celtics Pride.
1: Rate, review, subscribe.